Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 consumer access the following program is sponsored by reaching hearts ministries welcome back to reaching your heart pastor michael oxen tanko concludes part number 21 of the genesis series here today entitled the stranger now, we hope you've enjoyed this message so far, and if you've missed any portion of it, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. You'll see this message there. The entire Genesis series is available for download at reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. I'll have it again at the close of our message today. Here is Pastor Mike. The silence of her flight was broken only by the divine will to find her. And dear heart, maybe in your walk with God, you've come to a place where some leader in the church, maybe some leader here in the church has hurt your feelings unintentionally or maybe intentionally. And what does the person do who feels like they're a stranger in the house of God? They often run away from God. And so here we have Hagar running away from the people who have a knowledge of God because of the ill treatment that occurred in the house of faith. It happens in our day as it did in her day. And so the silence of her pain, the silence of her flight is only broken by the divine will, the divine voice that speaks the heavenly intention to seek her out and find her when she cannot even find herself. The Bible says in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. Shur in Hebrew means rock. Now this angel of the Lord is not an ordinary angel. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fears him and delivers them. We know that in Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord calls himself the Lord. We know that the angel of the Lord was worshipped legitimately in the Old Testament. There is no missing it if you are a clear student of the Bible that God himself at one point or another in the Old Testament chose to come as his own angel, chose to come as his own messenger because there are times in life when an ordinary angel won't do. There are times in life when a created being cannot connect with his people. There are times in life when God must take the wings of the cherubim and ride upon the winds of uncertainty and come to you in life and find you. And when God finds you at a time like that, dear heart, God is the angel of the Lord. And so the angel of the Lord here is really Christ in the Old Testament. It is Christ as verily God coming as the messenger from God to reach the person who cannot find God. And maybe in the post-New Testament era, you are that person. He comes the same way. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to the rock, literally. The Hebrew word for spring or well in verse 7 is ayin. It has two meanings. It's a double meaning word. It means well of water. For instance, in the book of Genesis, when it says the fountains of the deep burst forth, it means the ayins, the wells of water, but it can also be translated 
The eyes of the great deep burst forth because it means well or I. And so she comes to a place with a double entendre in the Hebrew language. And the Hebrew indicates a relationship between a human eye and a well of water in a conceptual kind of way. Just as wells well up with water, eyes well up with water too, don't they? Wells are the source of a water deep within. Eyes are the source of understanding deep within. I remember when I was in Galax, Virginia, and I was searching for God. I was 15 years of age. And I was walking out over the flats of the city there, and I came to a bridge, and I looked down, and I remember this clear stream of water that was just still. And as I looked down into that water, I mean, you've done this too when you've looked over a bridge into water, haven't you? You see your face. Now, how many of you have ever been tempted to keep on looking at the face you see in the water? Sure you have, right? Because it's a natural mirror. Before they made glass and the like with mirrors, this was nature's mirror. If you wanted to see yourself, you needed a well of water. You know, the Bible says in James 2, the law is a mirror which helps us see our disobedience. In the Old Testament, that would have been a well of water. And so it's no accident that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, when they refer to the law, they call it a well because it is nature's mirror. And so here she comes to a well where she can see. And I remember as I was standing over that bridge looking down, I could see my eyes looking back at me. My eyes met my eyes. And it was in that moment that I realized I needed God. It was something about looking down into the water. I saw myself for who I really was. And it was a turning point in my life. There are times we must come to the law of God, to the well of God, look within and let our eyes meet our eyes and see ourselves for who we really are and our need and our corruption and our utter dependence upon God. Tears are often the evidence of a profound insight in life. And tears flow from the well of your eye. When you look into a well, you can see your reflection well. When you look into someone's eyes, you can see your eyes meeting yours. It is a profound point of insight in her life, an opportunity for growth that she finds in the desert. In the Bible, God often reveals himself near a well of water. So Hagar came to a well to find herself. She came to a well because it was not well with her. She came to a well to get away from the one woman in the church, in the family of Abram, who drove her out of the church with a condescending eye. She came to the well. She ran to the wilderness to get away from Sarai and Sarai's God. And the God of Sarai pursued her into the desert and found her near a well of water. Verses 8 and 9. And he said, this is the Lord speaking as the angel of the Lord, Hagar, maid of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Now what an answer. Imagine what's going through Hagar's mind here. Are you kidding me? God, of all the things to ask me to do, go back to her, submit to her. Submit to sorry Sarai, ugly Agatha. Now, I hope no one's named Agatha here, okay? I'm not trying to pick on you. Give in to her God. I mean, if he's anything like her. But wait a second. You're her God. Uh-oh. Come on, you've got to be kidding. Not kidding, Hagar. Go back to her. See, Sarai represents the line of the promise. In the book of Genesis, there is no hope for the human race anywhere on earth unless they are aligned with the seed and the promise of Abram. 
which means ultimately Jesus Christ, who is the promised seed. And so her only right to life is through the line of Abraham. Whether she likes it or not, she must go back and submit to where God has placed her. The promise to Hagar in verse 11 sounds a little like the promise given to Mary in the Bible. Notice how it reads, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now go to Matthew one twenty one and notice what was said to Mary. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It sounds a lot similar, doesn't it? We find that she becomes a prototype, a pattern of what will later follow. The name Ishmael literally means God hears. Hagar has a hard time accepting what God says. She's more enamored with what she can see. In fact, she is a visual person here. When she hears something, she thinks she sees it. There is no evidence whatsoever in the text that God appeared to her at this moment in her life. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord found her. Verse 9 says, the angel of the Lord said to her. Verse 10 says, the angel of the Lord also said to her. Verse 11 says, the angel of the Lord said to her. You hear all that audible stuff going on there? Not one word about God in the text indicates that she saw him. And yet she claims to see him. Look at verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Thou art a God of seeing. For she said with a question in the Hebrew. Most translations bear this out. Have I really seen God? Remained alive after seeing him. Now the voice of God is so real to Hagar that she asks herself the question. Have I really seen God? Have you ever heard someone? Their voice was so clear to you that you could just visualize who they were. That's what's happening here. The sound of God's voice does not qualify as a vision of God yet. The sound of God's voice is so real to Hagar. The promise is so great that she almost feels like she can see God. I heard him. Could it be that I actually saw him? She calls the name of the well, Bir Lahai Roy, which means literally in Hebrew, the well of the life of my sight. She looked into the well, and could it be when she heard God, she saw God? Yet she does not see. She only hears Hagar's experience in chapter 16 is not a description of a deep and mature relationship with God. She is not changed. She does not see God in chapter 16. She confuses sound with sight. True Hagar is enamored with God's presence, but she has not yet surrendered to his voice enough to see him. Is it possible in life to meet God, dear heart, to hear him, to sense his presence, yet fail to understand and see him for who he really is? Is it possible to come to church, hear a sermon, hear the words of a preacher on the radio and fail to see God for who He really is in your life? Is it possible to hear the message of His voice and think you have seen Him when you really haven't seen Him at all? Hagar's journey to the well is not the journey of sight. It is the journey of fright, fear, and pride. The woman who hears must come again and later in life to the well to see God. But the good news is God doesn't leave her between these two journeys. He doesn't forsake her. He doesn't give up on Hagar. Though God, she heard, hangs around long enough for her to see him. The next four chapters of Genesis are dedicated to Sarah. Chapter 17, God promises Abram that Sarah will have a son and he will be called Isaac, which means laughter. At this point, she becomes part of the promise. God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which means the princess in a more direct and feminine form in Hebrew. 
for the first time in the story, God includes Sarah's name in the promise. And when he does so, Hagar knows what that means. It means something is not right in her interpretation of it all. Somehow she is not part of that promise for the promised child. In chapter 18, God appears to Abraham and Sarah at the door of their tent. After a meal of calf and bread, he gives the promise that Sarah will have a son in the spring. And she laughs. It can't be. You know what happens. The Lord says, why are you laughing? He says, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. The Lord says, you're laughing. Why did you lie? You know, isn't it neat that God takes people who tell a fib every now and then and forgives them and keeps them in the promise? I don't know about you. There's not an eye that's looking at me here today that hasn't been deceptive at one point in their life. Is that not true? Let's be frank with each other. This is kind of a neat element. He says, why did you laugh? And she said, no, I didn't laugh. He says, but you lied. Loves her anyway. Let's not lie to God or to each other. So God changes Sarah's name to Sarah. In chapter 18, God appears to them, as I've said, and he says in the spring, Sarah will have a child. Chapter 19 introduces the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah to show that God keeps his promise to judge his enemies. In chapter 20, God protects Sarah from the hands of Abimelech so the promise can be filled. He says, get your hands off my princess. She's going to have a child, and that child is none of your business. And finally, in chapter 21, God fulfills his promise to Sarah, and she gives birth to a son at the age of 90. Look at verse 3 of Genesis 21. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would suckle children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Can you hear the sound of triumph in her voice? Can you hear how the scale has tipped in her favor and Hagar is now on the wrong side of the scale? Verse 7 is a loaded message meant for Hagar's heart like an arrow headed straight to where it hurts. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would suckle children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Who's the greater mother now, Hagar? Who's the mother who will divide my home now, stranger? Hagar was standing by hearing it all, and she knew exactly what it meant. She had misunderstood God. She had acted un seemingly something was wrong now in her strategy her days were numbered she felt it she knew it when Isaac was born to Sarah Ishmael was 16 years old Sarah had borne the brunt of Hagar's sneers for 16 cruel years the emotional boil had enlarged from spring to spring the wound around it festered deep and tender and finally the boil was waiting to be lanced it was the perfect storm for Abram Abraham was not expecting what happened. Suddenly it exploded in his face at Isaac's weaning party. Look at verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. The key word is mocking. You can just tell what's going to happen next. Sarah says to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son. Drive the stranger and her son out of my house. Now, notice what Sarah does not say. She does not say, cast out this woman with your son. 
She does not say, cast out this woman with my adopted son, which he was legally, according to the code of Hammurabi. Legally, Sarah was Ishmael's mother more than Hagar. In verse 11, the Bible says, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. What happens next is unbelievable. I mean, God spoke to Abraham and he commanded him to listen to the voice of Sarah and send the mother and the boy away. Now, two times in Abraham's life, he is faced with the terrible specter of losing a son. He arises early in each story. And the story of Ishmael is preparation for the story of Isaac. He must give up his son for another son, but the day will come when he must give up his only son that is left in his home. His first son was sent away at the command of God. His second son was nearly lost as a sacrificial lamb at the command of God. Ishmael was a test to prepare him for a greater test on the way to Mount Moriah, which would be the Temple Mount and ultimately the place of the cross. Verse 14, So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. Beersheba literally means well of the promise or well of the oath. Hagar returns to the desert to find a promise or an oath that can be given for her. Promise for the future from God. The woman who thought she saw God the first time didn't see him at all. She knew his voice was in the desert. If only she could find him and see him there. It is a spiritual principle that sometimes, dear heart, you have to wander around in the desert and go back a second time to really find God. Sometimes you have to feel a little lost before you can be found. Genesis 21:15. when the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. In her first flight to the desert, she didn't cry at all. She was angry. She was afraid. She was motivated by selfishness. She wanted to get even with Sarah. She had misinterpreted the promise of God given her at the desert, at the well, that somehow she thought God had promised her that she would be mightier than her mistress Sarai, that she would be the mother of a great nation through Abram, and Sarai was out. But no, she was now wrong. She realized that she did not understand God's word. What she heard was not sight. It was a misunderstanding. She thought that her son would uproot Abram's love for Sarai, but it did not happen. She fled from Sarai with haughtiness and fear in her voice. She returned the same way, but this time she is broken. Hagar's second journey into the wilderness is the one that really changes her heart. Dear heart, there are times in life we have to go two times to the wilderness to find God. The first time we hear Him, we recognize that He exists. We know He has a promise and a word, but it doesn't mean much. The second time we see Him, we enter into a relationship with Him when we are broken. The Bible says she lifted up her voice and she wept. It is possible to cry without making a sound. It's possible to weep with a sorrow that is so deep you cannot be heard. It's the kind of sorrow Hagar had in her life. Very often she would weep with sorrow that could not be heard, but now she's pouring it out. That is why verse 17 is written the way it is. It says, God heard the lad crying. It doesn't say he heard her crying, does it? 
He heard the lad crying. Why? Because he is a child of Abram. The promise comes to Abram. And dear heart, in a way, he's a type of Christ who is the ultimate son of Abraham. When Christ calls out to God the Father, when Christ stands in the heavenly sanctuary, when Christ cried on the cross, God hears your cry when he hears Jesus' cry. We find an echo or a picture of the coming substitute, the son of Abraham, who would cry out for all of us. God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. When Hagar is finally broken, she is finally able to hear heaven's voice clearly. There is a divine progression of universal principles found in the words of the angel. Let's go through them very quickly. Number one, God asks the question, what is the matter with you? Dear heart, for you to even start your journey of sight and understanding with God, there must be an analysis that heaven helps you to see where you ask the question, am I all right with God? And very often the answer is no, you are not. Number two, the angel said, do not fear. Fear paralyzes action. Fear is what happens when we look within. We realize who we are and what we are without a mighty God to fix it, and we can be afraid of what we see within. Jesus would often say, do not be afraid. Number three, God has heard the voice of the lad where he is, the scripture says. Notice that God is not an indifferent deity who doesn't care where you live in life. God hears you, he knows where you're at, and more profoundly, he knows exactly where you're at. Whether you can find God or not, he can find you where you cry to him. God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Number four, arise. That's like saying live again. That's like saying get up and be resurrected. Don't let anyone convince you that you must stay down in life. Get up and move forward. God has a plan for you in life. Arise. Number five, lift up the lad. You see, selfishness is at the heart of most emotional and psychological issues that we face today. Get busy helping someone dear to you. That's what God is saying. Focus on the lad and not yourself. Get your mind off your own problems, stranger. Happiness is found when you set your mind to live for others. Number six, hold him by your hand. Cherish the relationships that God has given you. Don't surrender them easily. And if you have a son or daughter in your life, hold their hand Invest in the next generation. Quit worrying about what happened to you and what you didn't get and what you didn't achieve in your generation. Hold the hand of the lad. That child is your future. And finally, number seven, I will make of him a great nation. That means give up on your scheming, Hagar. Give up on your plans your misinterpretation of Scripture, your insistence that God has to do it your way and give in to my power and providence and plan that can only be found and experienced when you follow me and you discover it in the desert of life. The life of Hagar, the stranger, is a tale of tears that led to God. It's a path of pain that led a very self-centered Egyptian stranger, a very independent woman who thought she could connive and create a future for herself It is the story of one who was led to a deep, abiding friendship and relationship with God. Students of anatomy tell us that the cornea of the eye has a rough and irregular surface full of wrinkles and small holes. Tears create a smooth layer over the surface of the eye. Because of tears, your eye surface is so rugged you couldn't see. 
It takes tears for the eye to see. And so when you are on your knees and you are calling out to God to give you insight and you feel the tears blinding your way, dear heart, without those tears, your eye cannot see. And without tears and brokenness, you cannot see God in life. God leads every soul to a point of tears to find Him. It's a biological fact. You cannot see without tears. Hagar's first flight to the desert was the journey of fright and fury. She did not weep before God. She did not see. She only heard. She was too proud to approach Him with tears. Her second journey was the journey of sight. With her life a mess, she wept before God. She poured her heart out in silent tears to the God who hears. And the woman who was so quick to say, I see, took the time to listen and live. In Genesis 21, 19, the story ends with these words. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw well. God opened her eyes. Dear heart, God can open your eyes too. You may have been playing religion, hearing God, but when brought to the utter depths of your brokenness with tears flowing down your eyes, you're in a better position now to see God. And as she was crying out to God, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. In her second journey to the desert, she sees God. And she discovers through the lens of her tears a perfect lens that she is not a stranger to him. Dear heart, Jesus is the living well. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus in your tears. Come to Jesus with the lens that only sorrow and brokenness can make clear the eye for sight. Come to Jesus. Come to him. And discover in the plan of God in the desert of your wondering that you are not a stranger to the God who sees. That will conclude The Stranger, part number 21 of the Genesis series here on Reaching Your Heart. Thank you for listening. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We appreciate your contribution. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. We hope you'll join us for the worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock at Cedar Ridge Community Church. You can find driving directions online at reachingyourheart.com. Again, our phone number, 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Thanks for listening, and as always, we pray that God is reaching your